Welcome to our weekly podcast. It's hard to believe, but we're in the final week of our series, I Am. If you're joining us for the first time, over the past seven weeks, we've been studying the different I Am statements that Jesus made about himself throughout the Gospel of John. We've heard Jesus say, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. Remember, all of these statements teach us about who Jesus is as our Savior, our Messiah, and Lord. If you have a Bible with you, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 15. Today, we're going to hear Jesus say, I am the vine, you are the branches. This particular statement was spoken either while Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room on the Thursday evening before his crucifixion, or possibly after they had left and were walking towards the Mount of Olives. Some commentators suggest that if they were walking towards the Mount of Olives, they would have walked in sight of the Jewish temple. This is significant because just above the front door of the temple, there would have been a grapevine, which was a symbol of Israel, kind of like a coat of arms or a family crest. We don't know if Jesus was still in the upper room when he said this, or if he was walking with his disciples, but the latter certainly gives some context for what we're about to read. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The cultivation of vineyards was important to the life and economy of Israel, when Jesus used this illustration, he was using language that his original audience would have understood. Similar to the illustration of shepherds and sheep, I think we're somewhat removed from this illustration because we live in the 21st century and we live here in Wisconsin. You know, people certainly grow grapes here, but it's not very common. Most of us wouldn't know how to raise grapes unless we binge-watched a bunch of how-to videos on YouTube, and even then, it'd probably be pretty sad. But we do live in a time where there are more than 10,000 varieties of wine, so we can draw a mental picture of what a vineyard looks like. Vineyards typically have rows upon rows of vines, and in most cases, the branches are held up on a trellis to allow the light to have the right amount of access to the branches. Jesus used this illustration to give his disciples a picture of what a fruitful life looks like or what it means to have a fulfilling relationship with God. There are three important truths that I'd like to draw from today's passage. 
These truths help us understand what it looks like to know and live for Jesus. We can think about these truths as keys to living a fruitful life. And this will make sense as we work through the text. So number one, our lives need to be firmly rooted in Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said about himself as the vine. John chapter 15, verse 1 and verse 5. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And then in verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In the first verse, Jesus made a statement about himself that connected him to God's people, Israel, throughout history. God's people were often compared to a grapevine. God wanted to use his people to spread the word about who he is, to demonstrate what it looks like to live for him and to build their lives on his word. But this grapevine, God's people, often failed to produce good fruit. They were prone to wonder, both spiritually and literally. They made a habit out of disobedience. By saying, I am the true vine, Jesus was saying, I am the Messiah. I'm the Savior of the world and the Lord of your lives. He was once again affirming or clarifying his true identity. Jesus is the true source of life. That's something that Stan Smelser talked about last week. And then here in this passage, we learn that he's the true source of lasting fruitfulness in our lives. And that's what all of these I am statements are really all about. As the bread of life, Jesus is the source of true spiritual nourishment for our souls. As the light of the world, Jesus is the source of true guidance in our lives. As the gate for the sheep, he's the only way to salvation and a restored relationship with God. As the good shepherd, Jesus is the source of God's provision and care. As the resurrection and the life, Jesus is the source of eternal life. And as the vine, Jesus is the source of lasting fruitfulness in the lives of God's people. I'm going to explain what it means to live a fruitful life for God as we work through the message. So the first key to living this this fruitful life, to bearing fruit for God, is to be firmly rooted in Jesus. The Apostle Paul put it this way when he wrote to the Christians who were living in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, Paul wrote, And now, just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you'll overflow with thankfulness. So believing in Jesus... And being baptized is just the beginning of the Christian life. We must be firmly rooted in Jesus if we're going to continue to grow and mature in our faith, producing the kind of good fruit that God desires in our lives. The vine is another word for the root of a grapevine. Just like plants draw nourishment from the soil through the roots, we draw the spiritual nourishment that we need from Jesus. John chapter 15, verse 5, illustrates this in a more personal way. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. Apart from the vine, we can do nothing. Now, this doesn't mean that a person can't live, enjoy life, or accomplish things that make them feel important. 
But it does mean that apart from Jesus, we can't do anything that will have a lasting eternal impact for God's kingdom. An essential key to living a fruitful life, to bearing fruit for God, is being firmly rooted in Jesus. We need to stay connected to him at all times because he's the one who gives us everything that we need. He's the true source of who God is and the true source of the kind of life that God wants us to live. Friends, if you're feeling a little uprooted or lost in this season of life, you may need to get reconnected to the vine. You know, several practical ways that you can do this. I like to think of these as the fundamentals. They're fundamental. They're so important. Things like reading God's word on a daily basis, spending time with other believers, serving God with the gifts that he's given you, and connecting with God through prayer. Again, these are things we talk about all the time, but that's good because they're the fundamentals. It's so important. The second key to living a fruitful life is the actual evidence of fruit in our lives. John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, and then I'll read verse 5 again. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And then verse 5 again, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to point out how there are four types of branches or people described by Jesus. There are branches that bear no fruit, branches that bear some fruit, branches that bear more fruit, and then there are the branches that bear much fruit. Verse 2 says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And then verse 5, we see uh, the branches that bear much fruit. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There will be people who think they're in a right relationship with God, But if there's no fruit, if there's no evidence of that relationship, the Bible says they'll be cut off. There will also be people who genuinely know, love, and follow Jesus. And there's some evidence of that relationship in their life. But God's goal for all of us is that we would be fully committed followers of Jesus, living lives that bear much fruit for God. This is how Jesus said it in verse 8 at the very bottom of today's passage. He says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. God's goal for all of our lives is that we would continually grow in our relationship with Jesus, learning from him, to live like him. The result of a growing relationship with Jesus is a life that bears much fruit for God. So, what is this fruit that we're to bear? What did did Jesus mean by this? A great way to think about this is inner fruit and outer fruit. Inner fruit is the Christ-like character that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. This can be growing in holiness and growing in the fruit of the Spirit. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The inner fruit that God produces in our lives is then fleshed out in the way that we live. So outer fruit is our witness and our testimony for Jesus. That's winning others to Christ. It's serving God with the spiritual gifts that he's given us. 
It's being devoted to the reading and application of God's word and worshiping God with a community of believers as we're further equipped to go out into the world as ambassadors for Jesus. Jesus once said that we're supposed to be able to notice when someone is a fruitful follower of Jesus and when someone is a genuine Christian. Matthew chapter 7 verse 16 says, by their fruit you will recognize them. You know, when you eat an apple or an orange, they often come with those little stickers on the side that tell you that someone has inspected the fruit. It's a guarantee that it's okay to eat. I wonder if we need fruit inspectors in our own lives. Now, track with me for just a moment. This would be people who can hold us accountable in our faith, people who can encourage us to stay connected to the vine and point out where we need to grow. Now, you might be thinking, this sounds a little judgy, but friends, when it's done right, it's called accountability. God wants us to be recognized by our fruit. Now, fruit is not the same as worldly success. You know, we should work hard at everything that we do. The Bible tells us to work as though we're working for the Lord. But success in the world's eyes is not the same as bearing fruit for God. Bearing fruit glorifies God. It puts kingdom things first and exemplifies Jesus to others. If you've recognized some rough areas or rough patches in your life, some areas that aren't exactly bearing fruit for God, I want to encourage you to talk with another believer do this so that you can get their perspective and then pray about it. Ask God to reveal any inconsistencies in your life. If you're married, you know, your spouse should be your number one fruit inspector. They see a side of you that no one else sees. They can be honest with you about it. My wife is a great fruit inspector. You know, she's good about being honest with me. She's really great about calling me out on my crap, <laughs> but she does this in a loving way. She prays for me. She gives me wise advice because we're a team. Please understand that bearing fruit for God is not something that we somehow master. The Bible is very clear that we're all a work in progress. But when we're firmly rooted in Jesus, the evidence of that relationship will be fruitfulness. As we grow in that relationship, God develops this fruit in and through our lives. I heard a story this past week about a village leader who was from a remote area of Nepal, and he decided to visit a modern city for the very first time. When he arrived, he was fascinated by what he saw, the electric lights, the, the buildings. He'd never seen these things before. He was amazed that he could simply flip a switch on the wall and a small ball of glass in the ceiling would light up. With the little money that the village had given him, he went into a hardware store bought a few light bulbs and a plastic wall switch. When he arrived back home, the other villagers saw these things and asked what they were. And he said with a smile on his face, just wait until dark, then you'll see. When the people of the village gathered that night, they saw how the man had tied the small balls of glass to the underside of the ceiling. He'd also attached the plastic switch to the wall. And finally, when the time came, he said, watch this. He flipped the switch, but nothing happened. What he didn't realize, what he didn't know, was that the switch and the bulbs were useless unless they were connected to the source of power, unless they were connected to electricity. Friends, likewise, we need to be firmly rooted in Jesus if we're going to bear fruit for God. Bearing fruit is the evidence that we're connected to Jesus. Number three, when our lives are pruned by God, we will be more fruitful. 
So the third key to living a fruitful life is also found in the first two verses. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. There's some debate about what verse 2 actually means. Some commentators have suggested that Jesus was talking about Judas. Judas followed Jesus. He heard the same teaching from Jesus that all the other disciples heard. He even had his feet washed by Jesus. Jesus included him in all of these things, even though he knew that Judas would betray him. So the bigger idea is that there are people, even in the church, who have their own agenda, just like Judas. And even though they seem genuine in their faith, something is off about them. Sometimes these people are referred to as wolves in sheep's clothing. They look the part. They look like sheep. They look like the people of God, but they don't truly know and follow Jesus. This reminds me of the parable of the farmer scattering seed. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus told a parable about how God wants his word to take root in our lives. Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 8, Jesus said, Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon withered under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Jesus went on to explain how the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear God's word but don't understand it because the devil snatches away the truth that God wants to plant in their heart. The seed that fell on rocky soil represents those who hear the good news about Jesus and they immediately believe. But since they don't prioritize being firmly rooted in Jesus, they fall away as soon as they experience the storms of life. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but the truths they hear are crowded out by things like worry, fear, and the pursuit of worldly things, primarily wealth and material possessions. But the seed that fell on the good soil, that represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. God produces a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had originally been planted in their lives. Jesus was saying that if our lives are not like the good soil, We're going to be cut off from the vine because we don't prioritize staying firmly rooted in Jesus. If our lives are like the good soil and we're connected to the vine, God's going to be at work pruning our lives as we grow. Now, this pruning happens to every follower of Jesus and is for our good and for God's glory. A pastor friend of mine explained this pruning like this, that God is at work in your life preparing you for effectiveness in your relationships, in your service to others, and in your obedience to Christ. This pruning ultimately makes us more like Jesus. So how exactly does God prune our lives? I'm going to give you two ways today. One, God prunes us with his word. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. 
It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we're accountable. So as we read God's word, as we grow in knowledge, and that knowledge turns to wisdom, which is the application of God's word, as God works in our life, um, he prunes us with his word. The second way that God prunes us is with his discipline. Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 8 says, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? So what we're about to read is meant to be encouraging words. Remember that. He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who's never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you're not really his child at all. Our Heavenly Father is a perfect parent. As he disciplines us, the ultimate goal is to make us more like Jesus. His discipline isn't always pleasant, but it's always done in love and with purpose. When you go through a difficult season or hardships, it may be that God is disciplining you. Remember, the root word for discipline is disciple. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. So often when we go through hardships, we should view that as discipline. We're meant to learn and grow from what happens to us. If we stay firmly rooted in Jesus and see evidence of that relationship through the fruit that's produced in our lives, we can expect pruning. This is evidence that God is at work in us. Regardless of your age or stage, God will always be working on your life, pruning, molding, and developing you to be more like Jesus. He prunes our lives so that we can become even more fruitful. Number four, if you're taking notes, and this is the most important thing, stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected to Jesus. John chapter 15, verses four through eight. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, And my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus has given us the keys to living a fruitful life. Our lives need to be firmly rooted in him. We need to be rooted in Jesus through the word, through prayer, and by being part of the body of Christ. When we're firmly rooted in Christ, the evidence of that relationship will be fruit in our lives. The inner fruit, like holiness and the fruit of the Spirit, and outer fruit that's fleshed out in how we live our lives. When our lives are pruned by God, we become even more fruitful. We're pruned through the Word, which is alive and active, and through God's discipline, which is for our good and for His glory. And the most important key, the most important thing is to stay connected to Jesus. Be the good soil that receives God's word. 
and then see how he produces much fruit in your life. The key to living a fruitful life is ultimately found in our complete and total connectedness and rootedness to Jesus as the vine. Friends, if you're feeling a little disconnected today, I want to encourage you to pray about this. Seek God through his word. The Bible says that if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. Let's stay connected to the vine.